You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Good morning. Good to, good to be together on this special day. Uh, we like to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus all year round here at Life Tree, but Easter is wonderful, is it not? Um, so we're talking about something special today. Anybody have a guess? Jesus, yes, yes. All right, all right. Um, have you ever, like, come across some information that just radically shifted your paradigm? Changed the way you saw something? Think of, I, I think of in a negative sense, I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about, um, you know, times when it's come out that a, an amazing legendary athlete was doping, using illegal uh, performance enhancement, steroids, you know. Anybody think of any situations like that? Ben Johnson was one that came to mind. Yeah, Ben Johnson. Sorry, Ben Johnson. It's just, it's all out there, you know. It's public information, okay. And, uh, or Barry Bonds winning, you know, home run record, and then they found out he had been using. But the big one that comes to my mind, again, public information, sorry to you, Lance Armstrong, but... Uh, but Lance Armstrong was winning the Tour de France seven years in a row. And then it came out that he had been using performance-enhancing drugs. And his title was taken from him, and he was no longer allowed to compete in cycling. Now, I know of some other paradigm-shifting information and facts. Anybody have a guess what I'm talking about? Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I don't know if you realize how much that is paradigm-shifting, radical, worldview-changing information. It is. You know, to, to all the believers, I know most of you in this room, and I think you all fit that category, but, you know, if it came out that Jesus did not actually raise from the dead... Like they found his body. An archaeologist uncovers and says, this is the body of Jesus. And then over the next couple years, they begin to pull up evidence that proves, in fact, this is the body of Jesus. Would that shift your worldview slightly? Would that alter what you believe? Now on, on the flip of that, though, we believe Jesus rose from the dead. That also radically shifts paradigms. It shapes our worldview. And Jesus made some pretty strong claims about his resurrection. But before we even talk about that, I just want to take a minute. This isn't the main point of the message, but I just want to take a minute to talk about it, okay? I get why people doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. Does anybody in here understand why that might be hard for some people to believe? You know, for a lot of people, that is a preposterous claim. They say miracles don't happen. People don't raise from the dead. Now, first and foremost, I can say to you, miracles do happen. I've actually had the opportunity to walk 
with cripples. Did you hear that? Walk with someone who is a cripple. I saw my wife pray for a woman in England who was crooked in her body from a car accident, and she felt like God told her to tell the lady to run, and the lady ran around a room a little smaller than this, and after she did a lap around the room, her body was straight. She walked in like this, and she walked normal after. Miracles happened. But aside from me standing up here telling you that miracles happen, I just want us to think through for a minute some actual evidence, maybe you could say historic evidence, that Jesus actually rose from the dead. One of them being just that this radical worldview that we now know as Christianity stormed the earth quickly. A group of people who did not easily, like, okay, 2,000 years ago, it was also preposterous to say people rose from the dead. Did you know that? And yet, all of a sudden, a, a group of Jewish people who would consider it blasphemy to worship a man start worshiping this man called Jesus. Not over a short period of time, but like overnight. The first eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Can anybody tell me something unique and special about who or what they were? They were women. Okay, now that might seem to you like, so what? Well, rewind 2,000 years ago. Uh, if you wanted to make up a story that Jesus rose from the dead, you would not be wise to put as your first eyes, eyewitnesses, women saw him. Because in that day, 2,000 years ago, I, 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 I don't support this for the record, okay? But 2,000 years ago, a woman's eyewitness account was not considered valid evidence in any case of court or investigation. Women were considered so like low on the ladder of society that they couldn't be trusted. If you wanted to make up this story, you would not start off with that women were the first people to see the risen King Jesus. We have an empty tomb and appearances, okay? If there was just an empty tomb but no appearances, people would be like, eh. If there were appearances but a body still in the tomb, people would be like, eh. You know, like, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But instead, we have written records of his resurrection. I want to point out to you that, like, the first written mention of the resurrection of Jesus is not actually in the Gospels. It's in 1 Corinthians, and Paul writes this about 20 to 25 years after Jesus' resurrection, and he names people who saw the risen Jesus. And he actually says at one time there were 500 people who saw Jesus appear to them. Now, think with me for a second. How many of you lived in Victoria 25 years ago? Not many, wow. Yeah, I lived in Victoria 25 years ago. And, and if I were to stand up here and tell you, yeah, you know, me and 500 other people were in Beacon Hill Park, and you can talk to them, you know, Charlotte was there, and Rose was there, and Jason was there. I don't know if you guys raised your hands, but anyways. Uh, and we saw this UFO 
come down into the middle of a field. And aliens came out and spoke to us and told, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera, just 25 years ago. If that were not true, how well would my story stand? Paul's writing, saying, listen, this person, that person saw him. You can go talk to them. Check it out. Hear their story. There was a day 500 people saw him at once. Lastly, this last historic piece that I find very convincing, all of the apostles, except for Judas and John, died to preach this truth and hold it up. Now, if you were making up this lie, do you think you would go to the point of death to defend it? I say all this as, as hopefully reinforcement to your faith that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Or if you sit here or watch online today and maybe a little skeptical of it, that you would actually consider these historic facts of the development of the church and where we stand today all these years later. That if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then what the heck happened? How did we get here? Billions of people following him. So then the question is like, okay, if this be true, how do we respond? Well, let's, let's read a scripture here, well-known scripture. This is going to be Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. And we're going to look today about what Jesus says is significant about his resurrection. So here's the story. Is it up there? Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, how, how did they respond? Here is Jesus, risen from the dead, standing before them. How did they respond? Some doubted, and others what? Worshipped. When, when presented with the risen King Jesus, these are essentially our options. Stand back in doubt, skeptical, mm, I don't know about that, or bow down and worship. The, the resurrection of Jesus demands one of two responses. Don't believe it or submit yourself to him in worship. You know, even if you have a hard time believing that Jesus rose from the dead, don't you wish it was true? I mean, we sing about all these things that, that because he rose from the dead, do you know what that means? It means that bodily resurrection is real, for one. 
That's amazing. It means death is not the end of your story. It means that the worst of life is actually going to be transformed into something good. It means that there's an eternal hope. I mean, it's all good news. There's all good news that flows from the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, we want it to be true. Without resurrection, without going on from here, guys, I don't know, you can argue with me on this, but from my perspective, life is then meaningless. But life is not meaningless. The resurrection offers a hope and a future. None of this is the main point for today. The main point that I want us to catch, having said all that, okay, is Jesus, raised from the dead, says these words, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. The resurrection of Jesus points to the truth of who he says he is. That what he said is truthful and reliable. That his work that he accomplished is, is, is complete. What I want to talk about from this is that Jesus' authoritative words and works transform lives in the world when we know them as confrontational is that a nice word? As communal and as complete. Okay? First and foremost, guys, this is good news. When Jesus stands before us, before the world, before his disciples in that moment and says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me, that is good news. It is good news that there is such thing as an ultimate authority. Maybe that's weird for you to hear. We live in a day, and I don't even think it's unique to our cultural moment. We don't like authority. Anybody know a little bit about that? Don't you tell me what to do, you know? Jesus stands before the world and says, all authority in heaven and on earth, have been given to me. And that's good news. It is good news that there is such a thing, just that in its fact, that there is such a thing as an ultimate authority in the world, in the universe. That is good news. Without an ultimate authority, we are lost. We are left wondering. We are left wandering aimlessly, wandering and wandering without it. This is maybe a tangent, but I want to say it here. I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead because I believe the Bible is true. Can you believe a preacher just said that? I'll start with that again. I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead because I believe that the Bible is true. I actually believe the Bible is true because I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Say it again. I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead because I believe that the Bible is true. I believe the Bible is true because I believe Jesus rose from the dead. 
Jesus stood and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus made a big deal about the Bible. Jesus said the entire, the risen Jesus, right? Luke 24, we're not looking at that today, but Jesus said the entirety of the scripture spoke of him. So when I look into the scriptures, I'm looking into something that the risen, resurrected king of the universe affirms as very reliable and truthful. That was a tangent. But Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus is knowable because people wrote down what he said and what he did. And his spirit actually moves among us. But the good news of Jesus' authoritative voice, Jesus' authoritative words and works in the world is only experienced when we experience it as confrontation, as communal, and as complete. Okay? We're going to look at that. Confrontational. The authoritative words and works of Jesus are confrontational. I think it is due time for all of us to give up our imaginary Jesus. A lot of the times, guys, I think we actually have an imaginary Jesus that we worship. An imaginary Jesus that is more a projection of ourselves than the real Jesus who spoke and lived and worked in actual human history. You see, this is why I say the, the, we need to experience him confrontationally for him to transform our lives. If you don't have a Jesus who can confront you and correct you, your life won't be transformed. Are you with me? If, if you don't have a, a Jesus who can stand before you and say to you, repent, your life won't be transformed. In many ways, it is his authority as Lord that is our salvation. We often talk about Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we say, well, you know, you can't just have him as Savior. You've got to have him as Lord. I would say you can't have him as Savior without having him as Lord. You know what I'm saying? We actually need him to lead us, to guide us. He is our reference point, our North Star, our compass. He is the ultimate authority in the field of human flourishing. You know, we often talk about an ultimate authority, right? The ultimate authority in this field or that field, and we name some great person or great author, right, or business coach or guru. Jesus is the ultimate authority in the field of human flourishing. Guys, he rose from the dead. He knows how to flourish. He knows how to overcome death. He knows how to overcome sin. He is the ultimate authority in human flourishing. You want to flourish in this world, in this cosmos, in this universe? Follow Jesus. He's like the roadmap, guys. You ever you remember traveling back in the days before Google? I really appreciate Google when I'm traveling. Like, I'm in a city I've never been to before, and I can go, where is this? You know, where can I find some good Vietnamese food? Or where can I find a great salad? Or whatever. And off you go. 
and you've got a map, and you've got review, right? Come on. Everybody likes traveling with Google, right? Well, Jesus is kind of like Google. Where you haven't been before, he has been. What you don't know about, he knows about. He is the ultimate authority in human flourishing and life in this universe. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And he speaks into every area of our lives. When he says all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me, he's saying, like, I got stuff to say about your money, about your family, about your relationships, about your job, about your sexuality, about everything about you. I've got stuff to say. And, and, and he's saying, like, my stuff to say isn't just for a select few or some isolated culture. Right? All authority in heaven and earth and given to me. And then what does he say? Go. Therefore, go. Where? In all the world. That's what he says in Mark, but he's basically saying the same thing here, right? Make disciples of which cultures? Which types of people? Oh, he's saying my authority, my voice, my words, my works speak to all people, all time, everywhere. And all people would do well to follow me. Guys, the world will be a better place the more we learn to say yes to Jesus. The more, it's, it's not about him being like, I'm the boss and you better listen to me and he's on some power trip. He is actually, no, I know the way. I know the way to good restaurants. You know, no, more than, more, more than that. I know the way. I'm the ultimate authority in the field of human flourishing. You should listen to me. And you should teach others to do the same. I mean, have you looked at Jesus lately? He's amazing. When you think to yourself about what is, who is the ultimate authority in the universe, and then you look at Jesus, what is he doing? He's healing the sick. He's delivering those who are oppressed. He's feeding the hungry. He's caring for the poor. He's forgiving sinners. He's raising the dead. He's serving Judas. The traitor, he bends and washes his feet. The most revolutionary idea to ever hit the earth, I would argue, okay, is possibly these words from Jesus. Love your enemies. I don't think anybody ever said anything quite like that before. Jesus of Nazareth, in real time history, spoke those words. And I think they're still changing the earth today. So when we think about this ultimate authority, the law that governs the universe, the Lord that's seated on the throne far above it all, that's who we're talking about. He's not easy to follow. He's not easy to follow. So, so that's the confrontation. All that. 
also to be transformed by the authoritative words and works of Jesus, you need to know him communally. In community. I mean, the very notion of go and make disciples has wrapped up in it this idea of community. Are you guys with me? You need relationships to make disciples. And it's in many sense, it's this, this idea of one, teaching people to follow Jesus, but also learning from each other how to follow Jesus. And I want that authoritative voice of Jesus speaking into my life. You know one of the ways we do that? We listen to the voice of trusted people that he's put in our lives. Jesus says, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there I am. When you walk in the light, as he is in the light, he is faithful to forgive you, to cleanse you. There is something about living your life openly in the light of community that allows the voice of Jesus to speak into those areas of your life where you need to hear it. Are you with me? We'll look at this in a minute, but even when you think to that last statement Jesus makes and what we read, he says, and I'll be with you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. How is Jesus with us? Look to your neighbor and say, Jesus is with me. He's with you in each other, in this community, in the family of God. My experience of Jesus has been very much connected to the church. My experience of his voice calling me out, confronting me, and correcting me has been through the church. And we, we got to learn to love it. There's a, there's a submitting ourselves one to another that we're called to, right? And what I want to call you and invite you to, similar to what we spoke about last week, is into a place where you actually open up the doors and the windows to what's really going on in your life so that people can see into it and speak into it. Does that scare anybody? Good, we got an honest crowd here. But the king of the universe, guys, he has stuff to say. In every area of life, parenting, work, money, etc. We already listed it. But I, I want to like tell you, I, I have experienced this myself. I'm not up here just throwing off an idea to you. We've experienced the power of it. And Kelsey and I talked about this and, and we got permission to keep it, you know, simple, but like even when we have wrestled in the whole department of sexuality in our marriage. We have learned the value of opening the door, metaphorically speaking, uh, into, into that area of our life. 
Why do I go there? And why are you guys all cringing when I talk about it? Because it's extremely vulnerable. And I'm purposely going there because it is probably the most vulnerable aspect to life. Maybe. And even like coming to trusted people and saying, hey, we're having some trouble here, you know? Like, listen, anybody married, I hope you can easily agree with me that even in that area it can be tricky. It ain't Hollywood. There is, there, is, there is a reality where you have two very different people trying to figure out how to be as intimate as possibly you can be, as vulnerable as you possibly can be, and guess what? We find out we're different. And yet, in that area, even there, King Jesus has stuff to say. The one who comes generously, self-sacrificially, laying down his life for the good of others has stuff to say. And we won't hang out in that category any longer. You can feel the room squirming. But it's to say, all of life, experienced in community, submitted to the voice of Jesus, is where flourishing happens. And lastly, I said to you, following Jesus is hard. Would anybody agree? I mean, if you look at Jesus and the way he lived life and go, I could do that. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. You've read that carefully. Uh, it's, it's, it's significant what he spoke and what he did. And so in order to actually experience the transforming power of Jesus' words and work, his authoritative voice in our lives, we must also experience it as already completed. In other words, think of Jesus' last statement again with me. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In many senses, no matter what you go through in your heart and in your life, he's been there already with you. You know, last week we looked at him vulnerable and weeping and distraught in Gethsemane. He's with you. When you're doubting God if he's even real or even cares about you, think of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's with you. He's with you. He's already done it. He's already been there. And when you look and you feel that call and that tug to love your enemy, to stoop down and wash the feet of someone who's maybe betrayed you or spoken ill of you, remember, he's already done it for you. You were his enemy. We betrayed him. And when we see him having already done it for us, it releases a grace to us to follow. He's gone before. Are you with me? Thank you. Just checking.
We're going to receive communion together here in just a minute. But um, as we do, I want us to just come back to this, this place of recognizing his authority and realizing that it's good news. It's good news that there is a Lord who leads us, who's been there before, who's embodied in the community around us, who's ever-present. It's good news that Jesus has something to say about every aspect of your life. So you're not left wondering and wandering aimlessly. We're not lost because there is a Lord who's leading us into life, into flourishing, out from sin, out from oppression, who's healing and restoring as we continue to say yes to him and submit ourselves to him. So I want you to take this, unwrap, I'll do it with you. There's two things I want to highlight as we receive communion this morning. When we think of his body, I want you to just be aware that the Lord of life, the creator of all things, the word that was from the beginning was made flesh and dwelt among us to show us his way, like his actual physical body really matters. That, that God didn't just say, here's some cool ideas, some nice philosophy for us to follow, but he actually came and lived for people to observe and see in the flesh what the ways of God look like. And as we receive his blood that was shed for us, realizing that it covers and washes away all of our sin all of where we blow it and we don't actually follow him rightly and there's a penalty that is due to us, he takes it and he sheds his blood on our behalf. Cleanses us. There's a deep fellowship with the living Jesus who died on a cross and raised from the dead days later that we experience grace from as we receive his body that was given for us and his blood that was shed for us. For you. For you to know him. For you to experience his cleansing. So I say to you, here's Jesus' body given for you. Take and eat. Jesus' blood shed for you for the remission of sin. Take and drink.
I'm going to read these last words of Jesus. So he stood before them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.